This is a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast.
Thanks, Debbie and Jim, for those beautiful songs. Welcome to this worship service, good neighbors. You're listening to a Neighbors United in Christ parish worship service, sponsored by the Lutheran churches of Deronda, Little Falls, and Trinity. My name is Pastor Greg Wilcox. Thanks today to Debbie Tag and Jim Haugerud, our musicians. Thanks to Eileen Flatten, who will be reading our lessons and sharing a children's message with us. And thanks to our recording engineer, Brad Anderson, for keeping us on track and putting this recording together. And many, many thanks to each of you who will be listening to this podcast. You can listen to each weekly service live at 8 a.m. on WPCA Radio at 93.1 FM or live on their website at wpcaradio.org each Sunday morning. You can also listen anytime through our podcast available on your smartphone via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or on our website, which is nuicparish.org. I encourage you to subscribe and listen to our services whenever you get the chance, and to our new services, which download each Sunday morning. If you'd like to help sponsor these services or donate to our ministry, you can contact us by phone at 715 268 9577 or by mail at NUIC Parish, 1578 85th Avenue, Amory, Wisconsin, or through our website, which again is nuicparish.org. Today's radio broadcast is sponsored by Herbert Johnson. He's doing it in honor of his enjoyment of listening to these podcasts, and we want to thank Herbert for his generosity in sponsoring the broadcast. We depend on his and your generosity and many other listeners like you to keep this broadcast going. I have a few additional announcements that I'd like to share. Uh, November 3rd, there is Jesus and Me or Jam and Confirmation Meal at 5.30. And all through November, our Jam and Confirmation kids will be meeting at Duranda. And so the meal is 5.30 at Duranda, and then classes are at 6. November 4th, there's quilting at Little Falls at 9 a.m. November 6th, there's a Welka Bazaar at Trinity, 9.30 a.m. to 1 p.m. November 7th, Little Falls drive through dinner, that's 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. November 7th, worship is at Duranda, and that's at 9.30 a.m. And then November 9th, there's a congregational council at Duranda at 7 p.m. I think those are all the announcements that I have. So we continue with our service. Jesus said that where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Even though we aren't all together in church today, we are gathered in Jesus' name, and he is present with each of us, wherever we might be today. His presence with us is a gift we celebrate and proclaim as we worship together. We are in the season of Pentecost, but we're soon coming to the end of that. This Sunday is Reformation Sunday, as well as being Halloween. As you participate in our worship service today, you may want to have a green cloth or maybe a red cloth in honor of Reformation Sunday to lay before you a candle, a cross, and a Bible to follow along with our Bible readings. We continue our worship asking God to bless our time together in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please join me and listen as I read the Confession of Sins. 
Gracious God, have mercy on us. We confess that we have turned from you and given ourselves into the power of sin. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. In your compassion, forgive us our sins, known and unknown, things we have done and things we have failed to do. Turn us again to you, uphold us by your spirit, so that we may live and serve you in newness of life through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Hear then God's promise of absolution. God, who is rich in mercy, loved us even when we were dead in sin and made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. In the name of Jesus Christ, your sins are all forgiven. Almighty God, strengthen you with power through the Holy Spirit that Christ may live in your hearts through faith. Amen. I'll invite Jim and Debbie to come again and do our gathering songs, please. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. I need thee, oh, I need thee every hour.
live Ever His praises sing Love so mighty and so true Merits my soul's best songs Faithful love in service to, to Him Thanks again, Jim and Debbie. I especially like that last song, Love Lifted Me, and I hope that you remember that. When nothing else could help, love lifted me. That'll be a significant part of my sermon uh, for today. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Would you join me then as we pray together the prayer of the day? Let us pray. Almighty God, gracious Lord, we thank you that your Holy Spirit renews the church in every age. Pour out your Holy Spirit on your faithful people. Keep them steadfast in your word. Protect and comfort them in times of trial. Defend them against all enemies of the gospel. And bestow on the church your saving peace through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. I'll invite Eileen to come now and read our lessons and do the children's message for us. Eileen? The first reading is from Jeremiah chapter 31, verses 31 through 34. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand to lead them out of Egypt because they broke my covenant, 
though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel after that time, declares the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor or say to one another, Know the Lord, because they will know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. The second reading is Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth give way and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. Though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy place where the Most High dwells. God is within her, she will not fall. God will help her at the break of day. Nations are in uproar, kingdoms fall. He lifts his voice, the earth melts. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come and see what the Lord has done, the desolations he has brought on the earth. He makes wars cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the shields with fire. He says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. The next reading is from Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 28. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For no human being will be justified in his sight by deeds prescribed by the law. For through the law comes the knowledge of sin. But now apart from law, the righteousness of God has been disclosed and is attested by the law and the prophets. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction since all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. They are now justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a sacrifice of atonement by his blood, effective through faith. He did this to show his righteousness, because in his divine forbearance he had passed over the sins previously committed. It was to prove at the present time that he himself is righteous and that he justifies the one who has faith in Jesus. Then what becomes of boasting? It is excluded. By what law? By that of works? No, but by the law of faith. For we hold that a person is justified by faith apart from works prescribed by the law. So good morning, boys and girls. It's now time for the children's message and for all of us who are still children at heart. I want you to imagine if you were on a big ship in the middle of the ocean and you fell overboard. What might the captain of that ship do when he or she saw that you had fallen into the sea? What would the captain do? Would she tell you to start swimming and point in the direction of land? Do you think the captain, seeing that you were drowning in the ocean, might say something to you like, I'll throw you the life ring, but only if you can prove to me that you're really worth saving. What have you done with your life so far? 
Have you created any useful inventions? Have you won the Nobel Peace Prize or any other important awards? Would the captain ask that of you while you were drowning? Do you think that the captain would say, if you can climb halfway up the side of the ship, then I'll pull you the rest of the way up? Would the captain make you try to work your way up the side of the ship when he or she saw that you were almost drowning? Of course not. She would rescue you, right? The captain or one of the crew would probably throw you a life preserver or something that you could hang on to to keep you afloat. Once you had a good hold on that flotation device, they would pull you back into the ship and save you from drowning. Let me read you a verse from the Bible that's found in the book of Ephesians. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, it's a gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. We are like that person drowning in the ocean, and God rescues us, not because of anything that we do, but simply because he loves us. Today is Reformation Sunday. On this day, we remember how Martin Luther and the other Christians of his time wanted to change the way the church taught people about God's love. At that time, the church was telling people that they had to work to get their way into heaven. Some people even thought they could pay their way into heaven. Luther knew that this was not the case. The Bible said so. He knew that all of us are sinners and we need to be saved by Jesus. So Luther reformed, or he changed the church for the better, by telling people what the Bible said. The printing press was invented around the same time, so lots of Bibles could be printed, and the people could read for themselves what the Bible said. We are saved by grace just because God loves us. It's nothing that we can brag about. It's simply a wonderful gift. So let's bow our heads and thank God for this wonderful gift. Thank you, God, for sending Jesus to save us from sins. Thank you for throwing us the life preserver and saving our eternal lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Happiness is to know the Savior Living a life within his favor Having a change in my behavior Happiness is the Lord. Happiness is a new creation. Jesus and me in close relation. Having a part in his salvation. Happiness is the Lord. Feels joy this mind. No matter if teardrops start. I've It's Jesus in my heart. Happiness is to be forgiven, living a life that's worth the living, taking a trip that leads to heaven. Happiness is the Lord. Thanks, Eileen, for reading our lessons and for that lovely children's message and Debbie and Jim for the song that followed. Our gospel lesson for this Reformation Sunday is from the Gospel of John, the eighth chapter, verses 31 through 36. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, 
If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. They answered him, We are descendants of Abraham and have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean by saying, You will be made free? Jesus answered them, Very truly I tell you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not have a permanent place in the household. The son has a place there forever. So if the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. The Gospel of our Lord. Dear friends in Christ, this Sunday is a big day. It's Reformation Sunday. What can the events in Germany over 500 years ago possibly have to do with us here today at Neighbors United in Christ Parish? What real difference can they make to you and to me? Well, the truth that Jesus talks about in our gospel text today, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free, that's the truth that caught hold of Martin Luther, the wonderful truth that lies at the heart of the Reformation, the truth that changed the course of history. More than that, it's the truth that lies at the heart of the gospel, the truth that offers you and me new life, the truth that can change the course of our own personal history. And to really understand what this is all about, we need to know, first of all, way down deep inside ourselves, we need to know that we're not only sinners, we are slaves to sin. And we need to know, second of all, that the Son, Jesus, sets us free from that sin and that we are free indeed. And finally, we need to know that what Jesus has accomplished for us, this great eternal fact, can somehow become for each of us a reality in our day-to-day -day lives. First of all, then, we're not only sinners, but we're slaves to sin. Let me try to illustrate that with this little example. One of the things that I love best is warm, buttered movie theater popcorn. Sometimes I'll go to a movie just for the popcorn, not because I want to see the movie. I know buttered popcorn is not good for me. My cholesterol is already too high. And I know that my wife has made it clear how unhappy she is when I eat junk food like buttered popcorn. But I really had the munchies one day, and I drive home right past the St. Croix movie theater. And it's easy for me just to stop in there quickly for a bag of buttered popcorn. So I couldn't resist stopping in. I got the popcorn and I headed home. I was trying to eat the popcorn as fast as I could. From St. Croix to my house is a little over 20 minutes. And so I was eating the popcorn in one hand and I had my other hand on the steering wheel and I wanted to get home in time so I'd have time for a breath mint, so that would cover the smell of popcorn on my breath. I was cramming the buttery popcorn in my mouth, and I was enjoying my guilty pleasure. The last couple of blocks, I rolled the windows down to try to air out the popcorn smell. I pulled into the driveway and parked, carefully wiping my hands on a napkin and scrunching up the remaining popcorn in a bag to carefully throw away deep in the trash can in my garage. My deception was almost complete. I got into the house, my wife was at the kitchen sink, and I said a hurried hello and headed to the study. Hey, my wife said, what's that smell? 
smells a little like popcorn. But I was out the door feigning innocence and ignorance, two things you need to be good at when you're married. Now I'm not suggesting that eating buttered popcorn is somehow a sin, not at all. Rather, I'm illustrating how something that is not good for me, that I know is not good for me, and that I know makes my wife unhappy, is still something that at times I can't resist. And to the extent that I can't control that desire, in fact that it controls me, to that extent I am a slave, quote unquote. I have not mastered buttered popcorn, it has mastered me. And when we're honest with ourselves, really honest, we must admit that there are things which are sin that at times control us. Selfishness, pride, lust, greed, coveting, prejudice, racism, just to name a very few. Each of us knows what the shape of those sins are, which, like hot buttered popcorn, beckon us with false promise. But for all of us who are slaves to sin, and that is all of us, I have wonderful news this morning. I want to reread just a few verses that Irene, or Eileen excuse me, read for us earlier. And I'm reading the book of Romans, the third chapter, but I'm reading out of a different translation. This is the New Living Testament, so it's in language that's a little different. But now God has shown us a different way of being right in his sight not by obeying the law, but by the way promised in the scripture long ago. We are made right in God's sight when we trust in Jesus Christ to take away our sins. And we can all be saved in the same way, no matter who we are or what we've done. For all have sinned, all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet now God in his gracious kindness declares us not guilty. He has done this through Jesus Christ, who has freed us by taking away our sins. Well, this Jesus, who loves us so much that he died for us, helps us see the truth that we are indeed slaves to sin. And each of us knows that deep down inside. But this Jesus also makes real for us, offers each of us the free gift of God's forgiveness and mercy and grace. We're reminded of that free gift when we're baptized or when we do our confession and forgiveness in our services. Each time we take communion, we're reminded of the free gift of God to us in Jesus. God has acted in Jesus to free us from sin. He did it. When we believe it, it becomes ours. This is an accomplished fact. Paul makes that very clear in Romans. But... The love of Christ also offers us power to claim this freedom as a daily reality. And I want to try to get at that in a few different ways. The first lesson that Eileen read was from Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. It's a well-known uh, text from the Old Testament. And what Jeremiah is saying, in effect, is that God is going to do something new in the hearts of his people. Not like the covenant he made with them that was the law, those ten commandments that they broke. He's going to write the law inside of them, on their hearts. And he does that from a Christian perspective through his son Jesus. And again, I want to give you some examples of how I think that works. Earlier this week, I went with my daughter and son-in-law and their three kids, Ava, Gabe, and Clara, and my wife, Gail, 
to Minnesota's largest candy store. It's a series of big yellow buildings right off of Highway 169 in Jordan, Minnesota, and I didn't want to go. The thought of all of them leaving our little cabin and me alone in the cabin was very attractive. I thought, I'm glad they're going and I'll have a little peace and quiet. But they kept asking and they kept after me until finally I gave in. I didn't want to go with them, but these voices convinced me that I should go. We drove down there and we went inside this huge candy store. And there were a lot of fun things for the kids to see. Giant uh, sculptures of the superheroes like Iron Man and the Incredible Hulk. And there were things on the ceiling going up and down and all kinds of exhibits that the kids were delighted in. But I started looking at the candy and I started remembering these penny candies from my childhood. The gumballs and the bubble gum and the licorice and all of those tasty things and pretty soon, I began to get excited about being at this candy store. It was no longer my wife and my kids and grandkids telling me I had to go. Now that I was there, the excitement of being there and seeing this candy got inside my head and heart, and I was delighted to be there. And I left with a box full of those penny candies from my childhood. One of the things that my wife bought when we were there was a puzzle for my six-year-old granddaughter, Ava. And she immediately, when we got home, dumped it out on our kitchen table and asked me if I'd help her put it together. And again, I didn't want to. I'd spent all day kind of coming and going and I wanted a little peace and quiet, but she begged and cajoled. So again, this voice from the outside was telling me I had to do it. And I started grudgingly to put the puzzle together. But piece after piece, we started to get the puzzle put together and I started to get excited. There was a sense of satisfaction with each new puzzle piece. And so again, after doing it for a little while, it got inside my head and heart and I began to enjoy myself. It became part of who I was. I was delighted then finally to do it. Or this is a different kind of analogy or example, but I hope it makes the same point. When I was in sixth grade, one of the things that happened every year to sixth graders is they were taught square dancing. And I have to admit I was not looking forward to this because you had to do square, square dancing with girls. And in sixth grade that was the very last thing I wanted to do. I did not want to dance. I did not want to hold hands with. I didn't want to do-si-do -do with a girl. But there was my sixth grade teacher telling me I had to do it. She picked out one of the girls to be my partner and said I had to try square dancing. She made me hold hands and put my arms around her and do those moves, and it was terrible. I remember feeling uh, just embarrassed and uncertain, and uh, I thought I'd rather be anywhere else but here square dancing with this girl. And then, a few years later in high school, I fell in love for the first time with a girl, with a girl. And I can still remember the sense of deep excitement and joy, kind of a tingling feeling inside whenever this girl would be near. And at that time, there was nothing that I wanted more than to hold her hand and to put her arms around me and mine around her and to hold her close. 
Because now it wasn't my sixth grade teacher telling me that I had to do it. It really was the deep sense of love within that was inviting, encouraging, helping me feel like this is something I deeply wanted to do. When we are Christians, and as Jim and Debbie saying earlier, when we are lifted by the love of God for us in Christ, it's not a voice from the outside tell, telling us we have to obey this law or that law, or we have to do this thing or that thing, or we have to avoid this temptation or that temptation. The love of Jesus gets inside of us so that it becomes deeply apart, thoroughly ingrained in our head, our mind, our soul, our heart, till finally we want to do what Jesus wants us to do. Because of God's great unconditional love for us, and finally, our love in return, we can come to say no to the temptations of sin and genuinely want what God wants for us. Although to be clear, this is a lifelong process and we never completely stop sinning. We never completely give up our guilty pleasures. And I don't imagine that I'll ever stop once in a while sneaking that hot buttered popcorn that I love so much. Life in Christ, forgiveness of all our sins, freedom as a child of God to live out his way and his will for us, that's the truth that Jesus gives to us. That's the truth that sets us free. That's worth celebrating. Amen. I'll invite Jim and Debbie to come and sing another song for us, please. My Jesus, I love thee. I know thou art mine. For thee, all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art thou. If
moments of glory and endless delight. I'll Thanks, Debbie and Jim. That fit perfectly with my little message. We continue as we confess our faith together using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the, life, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I'll invite Debbie and Jim to come and do our prayers of intercession, please. Lord, listen to your children praying. Lord, send your spirit in this place. Lord, listen to your children praying. Send us love. Send us power, send us grace. Set free from sin and death and nourished by the word of truth, we join in prayer for all of God's creation. We pray for all who long for a word of truth and for the radical grace that flows from the cross. Inspire congregations to freely and boldly proclaim your love for all people with persistence and hope. Hear us, O God, your mercy is great. We pray for your creation, for mountains, rivers, streams, cities, homesteads, and neighborhoods. Write in our hearts a new love and care for creation. Give us the will to curb wasteful habits and to hold accountable those who neglect the vulnerable. Hear us, O God. We pray for all who aspire to public office and for all who will vote in the coming days. Pour wisdom and understanding upon all who govern so that communities of justice and peace may thrive. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. We pray for all who long for healing in mind, body, or spirit. We remember Tammy and Kelsey Zamuda, Del Clausen, Marcia Helling, Rachel Seacrest, Julie Dubois, Christina Burgett, Pat and Lucille Trof, Helen Erickson, Gary Fredrickson, Rick Elmer, Randy Goglin, Andy Elmer, Jim Wade, Tim Elmer, Scott Morgan, John Allen, and John Olson. And remember those families in Afghanistan who are suffering and the uh, 
missionaries who were kidnapped in Haiti. Be with them, Lord. Your mercy is great. We pray for all who seek to grow in faith and love of you. Guide teaching and learning in confirmation, small groups, Sunday school, youth groups, schools, seminaries, and universities. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy is great. We give thanks for all the saints and reformers who have gone before us, who dwell in your holy habitation. We remember the family of Amy Benson from Avery here. Give us courage through the example of those who have gone before to challenge unjust systems and work toward life-giving reformation. Hear us, O God. Your mercy is great. Confident that you hear us, we boldly place our prayers into your hands through Jesus Christ, our truth and life. Amen. Thanks for those prayers of intercession. We continue then with our sharing of the peace. Peace of Christ be with you always. And I'd invite you then to bless yourself if you're listening to this broadcast alone, or if you're worshiping and listening with someone else, I'd invite you to bless them using the Trinity formula, which is be blessed or I am blessed in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As people of faith, we are called to continue strengthening the ministry of the church, even when we are physically distant. We invite you to prayerfully consider making a donation to our parish, to the synod, or somewhere else where the work of the body of Christ is being done to love and serve our neighbors in need. And as you consider that, I'll invite Jim and Debbie to do an offering song for us, please. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see.
Come to the conclusion then of our service. We'll pray the Lord's Prayer together and I'll do the benediction. Let us pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Receive the benediction. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks be to God. Invite Jim and Debbie to come and do our closing songs.
listening to a Neighbors United in Christ broadcast. Our podcast is supported by our three congregations of Deronda, Little Falls, and Trinity Lutheran Churches, our small town churches in Amherst, Wisconsin. Our pastor today is the Reverend Greg Wilcox. If you feel so moved to donate, please visit us online at nuicparish.org. That's nuicparish.org. Until next time. Lean weary one upon his breast.